feels like it's been way less time and also simultaneously way more, right? I actually, it feels like way less time. We've been doing yeah. this for a year? It has felt like it. it yeah, we've been doing this for one year now. This is our 27th podcast. We do a podcast every two weeks. So, yes, I believe our first episode went live in September. Wouldn't the last episode we did then have been our one year? Well, our first episode went live in September of last year. Like the first week. So when it sure. went live, not when we recorded it. Correct. Okay. But we recorded it a week before that or something. Okay. So we, we are around our one year anniversary then. Yeah. That's what. This is like kind of our one year anniversary. I mean, yeah, this is kind of our one year anniversary. Okay. Well, hey, wow. Good job, us. Good job. One year. Did Were we supposed to get each other a gift or? Uh, yeah, I believe the traditional one year anniversary gift for a podcast is uh, cotton candy. What? Really? Yeah. Oh, did you bring it? No, because I didn't know, obviously. Garav was talking about this just now, and that is the first I've heard that this is our one year anniversary. Well, this is uh, the first I've heard that the one year anniversary gift is cotton candy, so I feel like we should have combined those things. Yeah. We should have all known. I mean, we'd be full of cotton candy right now. Well, true. can you be full of cotton candy? Because it kind of just evaporates as soon as you put it in you, your mouth. You There's would, only one way to find out. You would have to eat a whole lot of it. I You'd mean, have to eat a whole lot of cotton candy. Yeah, because it's just sugar. I mean, it's basically sugar. It just melts, right? Yeah, but it like melts into sugar, right? Yeah. It melts into sugar. A pile of sugar in your stomach. But then it, it like <laughs> becomes, I feel like, I feel like you would just like, your body would flush it all out before you could eat enough cotton candy. No, to I'd keep it fill in. Fill your body. I'd keep it in for sure. You can't keep it in by force of will, Garof. Only one way to find out. <laughs> Are we getting cotton candy? Let's screw the podcast. No, if you're going to be cotton some sort of candy. weird biological cotton candy balloon, I'm not going to get cotton candy with you. <laughs> You're describing a Cronenbergian nightmare in which you are filling with cotton candy excretion, you know, but you will not let your body get rid of it. There is a buffet. I don't think it's there anymore, <gasps> but a buffet in Vegas. Cotton candy buffet? That had yes. a cotton candy machine. Where? It I was, think it was in Planet Hollywood. It was the Aladdin buffet, or the Spice, I think it's the Spice Market. The Spice Market, market uh-huh. buffet now. In Planet Hollywood? Yeah. yeah. That sounds like it would be in the Mirage or something. Nope. No, I don't think it's as nice now as it used to be, though. Oh. I don't think they have the cotton candy station, but the first time we ever went to Vegas, they literally had just like, there was one end of the buffet where there was just a dude spinning cotton candy oh, and just putting man. it out on sticks. <laughs> oh, that sounds so cool. And you could just go grab a stick of cotton candy. And for oh. any of our listeners who are not from the United States, that is what it is like here all of the time, uh, everywhere. That's what it's like in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Vegas buffets are great. That is a point that we can all agree on that was sort of like a weird way to tie up a neat bow on all of this. So I guess we should go ahead and get started. Uh, what do you say? Oh, okay. But wait, 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 wait. Hold on, guys. What? Before we get into any of this, we cannot forget the pun of the soap. Oh, yeah. That's right. From our sponsor, Ben Danish. Thank you, Ben Danish, for your Yay. continued sponsorship yes. of the Experience Pointers podcast. I'm going to get this one. We have... A pun of the soot from Ben Danish. And this episode's pun is... Uh, well, here's the question. What was the D&D player's favorite movie? What was the D&D player's favorite movie? And I'm going to give you a hint, Megan. Dungeons it is not Dungeons and Dragons. And Dragons. <laughs> I see where you're going, okay. but it's not Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, D&D play- player's favorite movie. Are we going to get this? No. Yep. There are too many movies. Yeah, I was like, I mean... But I'd love to hear what you guess. Uh, I don't even know where to. Daredevil. What? No. <laughs> ben Affleck. Ben Affleck's Daredevil. D, D, I was just going with the D and D thing. I, I was... see. Yes. Ooh, okay. Oh, Good angle. Good yeah. angle. No. What do you got, Garuf? Uh, I don't know. I got Lord of the Rings. Lord it's of the Rings. Definitely Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it is definitely not Lord of the Rings because the D and D player's favorite movie, Die Hard. Oh come on. Die Hard. Come on! It is not easy to kill a D and D player. It's character. Uh, it is maybe a little bit easier to kill a D and D player than it is to kill a D and D player's character. Oh, I thought it was a die, like a die roll. It might be. Oh, okay. It might be die hard because of dice, or it might be because it's hard for them to die, or it might be because you don't want your D and D character to die. You want to make that hard, but whatever way that it is that that pun is constructed. Thank you very much, Ben Danish. Yes, thank for you. For the pun of the soap. Thank you. 
Hey everyone, we are Experience Pointers. We are a trio of gamers and RPG players who are here to talk about different aspects of GMing and playing in RPGs and hopefully offer up some ideas and suggestions that you can use in your own games. My name is Jordan. I'm Megan. I'm Garau. And we have a different microphone set up tonight, which is why sometimes I slip into a weird radio DJ voice because we are sitting here with microphones mere millimeters from our faces, and it is doing weird things to the way that my body is wanting to talk. You should actually get a little closer. I should get closer? Closer, baby. That get can't in there. possibly be true. Why do you th- call me a liar? Look at the waveforms. I will not. Look at them. Anyways, today, <laughs> we're going to be talking about... Da-da. Okay, cool. That was improvised. <laughs> uh... Some more two-word adventure hooks. That's right. We are pulling out an old favorite we did almost a year ago, actually, uh, or half a year ago, almost half a year ago. Wow. Uh, by I know. I'm very confused about I, I don't remember what the half-year anniversary gift is. It's not important. But what we are going to do Potatoes. is use a, uh, a creative GM exercise where we are going to assign each other uh, two words, and then uh, one of us is also going to assign uh, the other person a genre as well. And then we are going to generate a uh, adventure hook idea, a plot hook, from those just two words. Uh, this is an exercise that you can use in order to get over some writing block for your uh, writing block, writer's <laughs> block for your home games. What a pro. Um, but also just as a way to uh, just kind of brainstorm some new ideas and stuff. And we've done it before, and it was a lot of fun, and I love this as a creative exercise. I might be biased, because as far as I'm aware, I made this up. So uh, let's do it. Let's do it, guys. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. How do we begin? So here's the way it's going to work. Um, we're going to pick someone to start with. So I'm going to say, we're going to start with Garav. Uh-oh. And Garav, I am going to assign you two words. And then Megan is going to assign you a genre. Okay. Then we'll do Megan. And you'll assign her two words. And I'll assign a genre. And then we'll do me. And you'll assign two words, Megan. And Garav, you will assign me a genre. And then at the end of all of that assignment, we'll go back to you. The first one who was assigned it. Do you remember? Do you remember that? Uh, It was you first. uh, I forgot. And then you're going to tell us what you came up with. Oh, okay. Uh, How's that sound? That sounds fine. I'll probably forget the words in the go around. So I feel like we should just do it all at once. Try not to forget the words. Okay, I'll try. All right. I'm going to write them down. Okay, yeah, you can write them down. That's okay. And uh, if you're listening at home and you're worried that you're going to forget the words before Garov thinks up a way to uh, turn that into an adventure hook, you can write them down as well. Write them down and scream at your radio so I get your ideas. They're in a steak restaurant. They don't have a radio at a steak (laughs) restaurant. That's Well, then how are they listening? On uh, headphones. Why would they have a radio? Why not have a radio? (laughs) Yeah, if you're in the car and you're playing it. You guys don't scream at your podcast while you're in your car? Because I do. I I'm definitely don't scream at a radio in a steak restaurant while I'm listening to a podcast <laughs> on a completely separate device. Now I have this image of someone sitting at a restaurant by themselves with a steak and like an old radio on the table that they're yeah. just yelling at. Yeah. Or it's in the chair, like that's their dinner guest and has like a, a bib on them and well, they're just, you know, getting ready to have some steak, some radio this steak. Got this is sad. great. Yeah. Okay. So my uh, two words for you. Was it not radio steak? It is radio steak. <laughs> Those are my two words for you, Karav. You got radio steak. And Megan is going to assign you a genre. Space opera. A space opera. (laughs) Radio steak are your two words. Cool. Thanks for making it real easy. (laughs) Yeah. Super great. We're not here. We didn't come here to make friends, Karav. We came here to make two-word adventure hooks. So, Karav, it is your turn now to assign Megan two words, Mm. and I will assign a genre. Okay. Demon's hat. Okay. Weird West. <laughs> That's way easier than mine. Uh, well, all right. you, I mean, I came up with my genre before you said demon hat. So we'll never know. Yeah, we won't. All right. And now you guys need to assign me one. So Megan, I believe you give me the two words and Garav, you give me the genre. Okay. Uh, two words will be Phoenix fire. Phoenix fire. Children's fable. Children's fable is an RPG genre. It can be. All right, cool. Good luck. <laughs> Phoenix Fire. So um, I think Garab is just upset because he clearly got the hardest ones here. Um, uh-uh. Megan chose two words that go together. 
And uh, Garab <laughs> chose something cool. <laughs> oh, should I have not? But I chose radio steak. <laughs> Uncool. So Garab, we're cycling back to you now. Uh-huh. So for the purposes of everyone listening, uh, if you haven't come up with something yet that you're ready to uh, use as a two-word adventure hook, go ahead and do your creative thought process out loud so they can see where you're coming from. So hit us with that space opera about radio steak. Well, you want me to show my work like a math problem? Is that what you said? I'm saying if you're not ready, just think out loud. Oh, okay. All right. I'm going to do that. Okay. Space opera makes you think of Star Wars, obviously. Right. What other space operas are there? I know none. I'm going to stick with Star Wars. Okay. Uh, past that, Radio Steak. Makes me think of Radio Shack for some reason, but that's irrelevant. But Is uh, it? Oh. <laughs> uh, it is. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, Radio Steak. Um, so... A spaceship out in the middle of the Gamma Quadrant receives a signal on their long-wave radio uh, that a planet is all out of uh, their their main uh, source of food, which is uh, bovine. Okay. Uh, they are out of a food source, and they need help. Uh, and the only way to, to help them is by giving them a renewable form of food, which is... Something that exists only on a very dangerous planet. What is that thing? It's a new form of bovine. A new form of bovine? Yes. So they and need it, to... It's renewable? It's renewable because, yes, it is. <laughs> it's renewable mm. because... And I'll tell you why. Yes, it is. Space opera, and that's I'll, why. And I'll tell you why. Tell us why. And I'll tell you why. Please do. Here I go. Stop repeating what I'm saying to buy me time. I don't need it. <laughs> I'm ready now. Uh... It doesn't sound like you are. You go to this planet to get this bovine, uh, and it basically uh, does not need to mate to replicate itself. Asexual reproduction. Yes. Cows that just spontaneously create more cows. Yes. The problem is that this cow doesn't taste great. Okay. But it is infinite food, essentially. Okay. But also it's very dangerous. The so, cow is or the planet that the cow is located on both. is? Okay. Both. Very, it's a very dangerous place compared to the place it's going. Okay. So your crew needs mm-hmm. to go to this very dangerous planet. Okay. And uh, grab a few of these cows. A few? It seems like you would just need one. Well, they, they do replicate, but it takes a while. So you want more than just one because it's going to be a while before it replicates enough for the entire planet to have food. Okay. So they have to transport these uh, bovine from one planet to another, safely and soundly, while not dying. Okay. Radio stick. So I see uh, two part two parts to this uh, scenario here. I see going to the planet and navigating this dangerous planet, finding and locating this dangerous, asexual, uh, not very tasty uh, bovine. Yep. Getting it onto your ship. Then... I see uh, flying with these bovine that are maybe creating more bovine in a Trouble (laughs) with Tribbles uh, style thing. Sure. From that planet to the planet that needs this food source and keeping your crew alive and keeping your ship from exploding on the inside out with uh, replicating dangerous, not super great tasting cows. Uh And here's the twist. You ready for this? There's a twist? (laughs) Yes. Once they get the cows onto the spaceship and start moving... They receive another radio signal from that same planet saying like, hey, you guys here yet? But radio signals make the cows replicate super fast. So these cows start replicating in that ship super fast because of radio waves. Radio steak. Boom. Radio steak. Radio steak. <laughs> All right. That's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Because the last time we went through and, and, and each of us went, okay, and here's what it makes me think of. So we also added our own. Do we want to do that again? Yeah, let's do it, Megan. Oh, yeah. Okay. All Go right. For radio so I think I would take it real literal and do some sort of absurd horror. So sort of a la alien style, right? So it's a group of, of people who are out in space. Maybe they're lost or something like that. So sort of like lost in space, you would have... Uh, a group that that maybe got stranded and they find some old space station somewhere. And so um, they get on the space station and eventually, you know, you've got to build up your drama, your, your uh, what is the word I'm looking for? The intensity, the, the fear, whatever. Um, but eventually they would start hearing noises and they would literally find steak or meat of some kind that 
that like either voices or sounds was coming out of. I don't really have much beyond that, but I think I would take it and make it like, like it would, it, it wouldn't be like just straight horror. Horror would be kind of like weird, absurd. You know how sometimes you can take like sort of something that seems funny and make it almost worse when it's actually horror. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, I think where I would go with that, but I feel like I often go horror with things. So, um, yeah, I don't necessarily know where I would go for the completion of the story, but that's just kind of the beginning hook in my mind. Okay. All right. So, radio steak. So there is a uh, a scientist who came from complete obscurity. Nobody ever heard of this guy, but he has created a process by which he can translate radio waves into a solid consumable. He can turn these junk this junk data that's floating through space everywhere into uh, a consumable uh, food source. And he is praised as this like sudden genius who came from obscurity and rose to the top of his field. However, um, you, your team, as a series of, we'll say, like emergency response people that just sort of patrol this, this section of the galaxy, are, are getting all of these weird missing persons calls. Uh, and every, all these things you're going to investigate on all these different planets, completely unrelated... Uh, there doesn't seem to be any any sort of uh, connection between the species or or any sort of like motive for this, but they are being disassembled painfully one piece at a time uh, before dying in front of their loved one's eyes. Oof. And then eventually, what you would come to figure out is this process is not uh, the scientist kind of misrepresented his data. He's actually using some sort of very slow teleportation technology. It's not distilling radio waves. It is actually taking the matter from random, uh, like, living beings on planets in a nearby radius and converting it into a food source somewhere else. So you have to discover that. You have to confront the scientist with it, who already knows that this is happening, and then expose the truth of what he's doing uh, to the galaxy's uh, peacekeeping force. Oh, man. Radio steak. Radio steak. Radio steak. You're listening to 101.3 Radio Steak. Radio steak. We have a real steak problem on this podcast. We do. Okay. Oh, yeah, we do. Yeah, we talk about steak a lot. <laughs> okay, oh, so man. that's radio steak. That's that where was it came from. Uh, Next up, we have Megan's. Demon hat. Demon hat. Or demon's hat. Demon's hat. Demon's hat. Very specific. Weird. I'm sorry. West. Hold on. I want to get a pronunciation key. Can you say say that one more time? Demon's hat. Okay. So the way you corrected Megan, it sounded like you said demon's hat, and oh, I'm going to use tra- that. Nope. All right. Okay. Hang on. Go ahead. Wait. No. What? Demon's hat. Demon's hat. I can't yeah. use demon's hat. What is that? That's not like a size D hat for men. <laughs> <laughs> is that even a hat size? I thought. I mean, in this world, it is. Hats okay, and batteries. you know what? I'm gonna go both directions here. So first off, demon's hat. Yeah. Um, I mean, weird west. So for me, that's just Deadlands. <laughs> that's Deadlands. Oh, that's okay. Very sure. Yeah, you Deadlands. can do that if you want. Yeah. So I, I would take this um, sort of in a uh, the One Ring or Lord of the Rings style. So it would be a literal demon's hat that someone stole from said demon or Manitou, right? And it grants them all sorts of power. It could be any kind of power, but it'd be a very powerful hat. Uh, from a very powerful demon. And there's sort of all this lore, and this hat has traveled from person to person because, of course, as these people use its great power, it completely destroys them because this hat does not want this person. It wants to go back to its owner. So as it travels around, um, it starts to grow in infamy, essentially, and you would basically have a group of people who were going after the thing or or needed to return it, or maybe maybe one of your party members had it, and the demon is after them for it. So uh, I feel like you could do a lot of really cool stuff. You could the demon hat the demon's hat could do anything, all sorts of things. Um, and then you know if we're going D man's hat, so it's a, a D men's hat. D men's hat. So it's a I assume like you said size D hat, which in this world is very, very, very large, which is unusual. I mean, this hat is like, it's like you can't even lift it. It's so large. Like Mm -hmm. size D Mm -hmm. is unheard of Mm -hmm. in the weird West. But of course, if that's the case, that means there is some really large person, Mm -hmm. probably a giant. And it's a, I mean, it also sounds 
like a demon hat. A giant so demon. It's a giant demon. So that is something you want to go the opposite direction of. I'm going to express right now. <laughs> I'm gonna make. I'm gonna make it known. Uh, I prefer your first idea. <laughs> what? That Come is, on. Uh... You know what else? They maybe they made like a city out oh, of this, like around the hat. Yeah, it was one of those Wait, things. How this big is, is this the, hat? It's, it's really, really big. big. So this is in the middle of the desert, right? We're in the west. We got to be in the desert. Sure. And so um, there's some. There was a group of of travelers, and they they didn't have any shelter, and they were lost, and they come upon this hat, and everything is saved because. They have shelter now, and also Inside under the hat, the hat. Obviously, also yeah, yeah under the hat mm-hmm. is a spring. Can you leave some uh, plot hooks for the rest <laughs> of us here? You're you're on your third demon's hat uh, plot hook. But what? No, this continue. is a part of the demon's hat. Sure, or of demon's course. hat. Demon's hat. Yes, it is the infamous demon's hat, and you know that's the name of the town. Okay. Um, what I love the most about your second plot hook is that so hat sizes go in letters for some reason. Um, Weird West. There are A, B, and C, which are all hat sizes that people have heard of. Those are like normal okay, hat no, sizes. No, no, no. So we C might, is probably the top end. So of we might normal. equate those to like small, no. medium, and large. No. And then there's D, which is big enough to live inside of. <laughs> And no one has ever seen no. or heard of it. No, men's hats normally go in numbers. So when you're getting into yeah, letters, yeah. it's too much. Yeah, exactly. It's another echelon of hat size. And they double each time. And so the numbers double, double each, each time. time. Yeah. So eventually, um, as you know, we all know from math, uh, you run out of numbers <laughs> when you double each time. You can only go to 10. <laughs> There's only so many numbers. Yeah. Um, and then you get to letters. Uh, and by the point you've gotten a D, you can live in that hat. That's how Super Bowl numbers work, yeah. Listen, they don't call it the Weird West for no reason. Okay. Um, She's right. Yeah. She's got you there. <laughs> you got me. So I'm going to take it in a slightly different direction. I'm going to say Demon's Hat is a location, not a city beneath a giant hat, <laughs> but a rock formation mm-hmm. that looks vaguely hat-like uh, that has earned the name Demon's Hat. Why is it called Demon's Hat? Because there have always been a series of weird occurrences that happen around this rock formation known as Demon's Hat. And this is just something that your posse just stumbles upon as they are traveling through through the West. Uh, they happen upon a town that is near the Demon's Hat. And uh, they discover that uh, there have been uh, missing missing persons Missing people coming up missing of late, and uh, someone maybe suspects that it has something to do with the demon's hat based on a story that they heard passed down from forever ago. If we're using Deadlands, that would be uh, the 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 reckoning, the the sudden reawakening of all of this dark these dark forces in the world have um, maybe maybe awoken an abomination that lives in the caves beneath the demon's hat that is coming into the town and stealing people away at night. So you're party has to do kind of like a weird west dungeon crawl and enter the demon's hat and uh locate the abomination that lives within that is stealing the townsfolk Mm. demon's hat demon's hat uh what do you got garaf okay there is a farm in southern nevada i Uh, like it and uh there is a man who you know raises you know cattle and all sorts of other animals whatever you can raise in that desert environment and uh Around that area, people have always said they saw demons in the desert, but they were probably more confusing them with these weird-looking bulls that show up that have, like, very long horns. Okay. And one day, uh, one of these farmers finds a bull that is off in the distance, but making very strange noises that most animals don't make. And uh, when he sees this bull, next to it, he sees just a regular hat. And he's very confused. He's very confused. And... Days go on and he continues to see it and it gets a little closer every day. Like it was off 100 feet away, then 50 feet, then like 30 feet. And it's always watching him in the middle of the day. And one day it's just at his doorstep and he's like, I have to do something here. And he goes outside of his door. The bull is staring at him. It's got these deep red eyes, the biggest horns he's ever seen. And there's a hat. And he finds out it's actually the hat that's making this noise. And he lifts up the hat to see what this weird thing could be. And under the hat is a radio. Radio stick. 
Wow. Back to Radio Stick. I took it back. Wow. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up a couple small points with your with your adventure hook. Yeah. Uh, a, ahead. it is a story, not an adventure hook. <laughs> uh, and B, um, Radio Stick was not the uh, the, setting, the 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 thing you were given for this. Okay, I think you're just delaying because it's your turn. You're out of ideas, but let's uh, let's continue. We're gonna okay. We're gonna accept that. Fine. All right. So, um, if any of you decide to use Garav's demon's hat uh, hook as a home game hook, please let us know how that works out. I am very interested to hear what I mean, happens if it's you the use best that as one so far. So I don't know what the qu- uh, let's just continue. Okay, so mine was Phoenix Fire. Uh huh. And the genre I was given was children's fable, but I have a question. Can you give me an example of a children's fable, Garaf? Uh, so something a little when more... When you say children's fable, what do you mean? I mean something a little more innocent than most RPGs are filled with killing and, and blood and guts and stuff. Sure. And something that's uh, maybe a child would play in an RPG. So like a family-friendly adventure sure. is basically what you're saying. Like yeah. maybe an adventure designed for children. And that teaches a lesson maybe. Okay, like so yeah, most do. fables have lessons. Yeah. Okay, um, so what I would say... Is um, the uh, we'll say we'll say this is an adventure for kids, uh, and uh, they are tasked. Um, we'll say these children are graduates of uh, famous uh, academies that uh, they train at for either being you know thieves or fighters or or wizards, and uh, they are fresh fresh graduates. They're in town looking for their first uh, quest they can go on to make a name for themselves. And they're perusing the local quest board. Mm-hmm. And while they're doing that, they actually hear this flapping sound. And a strange uh, multicolored bird lands on this building outside and starts speaking to them. So, some giant weird talking bird. It's beautiful, but it seems muted and sad in some way. And this is a phoenix, and it explains to the young adventurers that it has lost its fire. Its fire was taken from it. And uh, it was taken by something that lives in the dark forest to the west of this town that they're in. So they have to journey into the forest in search of this phoenix's fire, and they find that it was stolen by a night shadow, which is a creature that only exists uh, in, in the darkness of night, but it jealously wants the light of day, and it just happened upon this sleeping phoenix and figured out a way to capture its fire in a jar and refuses to give it back. Now, it's not necessarily something that these young adventurers can fight, uh, it is it is a shadow. It's insubstantial, and everything they try, if they choose to fight it, won't won't work, because it's it's just a shadow. You can't fight a shadow. But if they can convince it to return this stolen property to its rightful owner, they will find they have to find some other way, something to trade with it that can provide it light uh, in exchange for this jar of phoenix fire. So what that does is a teaches them that there's a way to solve things without immediately jumping to combat. B, it gives them a, an open-ended challenge in your adventure, uh, which is great when you're playing with kids. And if you've never run an RPG for kids, I highly recommend it because they will endlessly surprise you with the ways they come up with to solve problems. You just go, this thing wants this jar of Phoenix Fire light, but it, it's not going to give it up if you can't give it something else in return and just see what they come up with. And then guide them on the way to getting whatever their solution is like they're like oh we'll get you this this fairy light okay cool what does that look like let's go do that and then they have to trade with it and return the phoenix fire to the phoenix boom phoenix fire children's fable check out goobles and goblins on (laughs) amazon.com uh what is goobles and goblins (laughs) maybe you should plug that is uh that is an RPG for parents to play with their kids that I wrote a few years ago that you can buy on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Cute. It's true. Okay, here's mine for Phoenix Fire. It's actually Garov's turn. Oh, okay. No, no, I'm, I'm excited to hear this. Oh, okay. Go for it. He's excited and needs more time to stall. So there is a kingdom that is in the north. And uh winter has come. And uh a through uh, I, uh, either a magic witch or, or, or something like this has, has cast a spell on this kingdom and the fire does not work. The fire is gone for this kingdom. And as winter continues, everyone will die if somebody does not figure out a way to bring heat back to the kingdom. So the journey it's will be... dark and scary so far, Megan. 
Well, have you read most children's fables? <laughs> Many of them are very dark and scary. That's true. Um, true. So uh, the the kids or the people are our heroes for this adventure. Will will decide that they are the only ones that can go because deep in the forest there is a phoenix that does have phoenix fire and that particular fire burns forever it always brings heat nothing can put it out it it would save the kingdom for forever um but there's a labyrinth and a series of tests that you must pass to prove that you are worthy of this phoenix fire and it it must be someone who's good of heart um and really someone with an amount of innocence so that leaves them or leaves the party with really kids needing to do this. So it would be a journey in which there would be a series of trials or tests that would test very different things. So not necessarily battle focused, but it would be like um, moral tests of some sort of, of like, you know, what, who do you choose in this situation? Or they'd be, they'd come up upon somebody and they would have to decide how to help them. And that so would be part of the test. Pretty classic, like fairy yes, tale style pretty classic. Uh, things like, oh, there's this fox caught in a, caught mm-hmm. in a trap and it's, asking you nicely to let it out mm-hmm. but you have to hurry do you stop to help the fox or yeah things like that and kind of let them you know play within and, and you, you could have any number of things that they come up against uh all sorts of things like that so you're sort of dealing with the just uh presenting kids with moral uh easy moral um, issues and and sort of letting them discover that kind of stuff for themselves. And then eventually, the phoenix, of course, will be the last one, and they can bring the fire back and save the kingdom. And moral, um, like being able to role play situations like that involving ethics and stuff like that, is another really interesting thing you can do with RPGs when you're running them for kids. Mm-hmm. Just as a total aside, I'm thinking maybe in the future we should do an episode about running RPGs. For we kids. should. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, Gruff, Phoenix Fire. Phoenix Children's fire. fable. Children's fable. What you got? And please, no radio steak twists. Don't M night or Shyamalan demon's us. hat. <laughs> okay, I'll try my best. Uh, okay, there is a uh, a small village uh, somewhere in some land. Uh, people don't haven't really explored too much because it's very dangerous. This is almost uh, it's a post apocalyptic world actually. Um, a long time ago, what happened was essentially. Uh, people said the sun came down and scorched the earth. And no one's really sure what that means, but that's a legend that was passed down. And uh, there's not many people who venture out anymore, but the only way to get food is for people to venture out. So when people, when children become of age, which is like only 12 or 13, they need to venture out and search for food. So they're sent out for a 24-hour mission, essentially. And if they make it back, they're worthy of staying there and eating the food with the rest of the camp. Um, So a small group of kids, whoever this party is, is sent out uh, to find food. And usually they venture out a little to the west to uh, a a much bigger city that's abandoned and wrecked, and there's, like, piles of debris everywhere. There's, like, broken cars. And uh, they search for food, and most of the time they're just going to have to kill it. They're going to have to just find and kill whatever's left there, and they're going to find grisly things like three-headed rats and snakes with legs or something. Something that, you know, fables have weird creatures. Yeah, and, something, you know, lighthearted and non-violent for hey, children. this is very adventure time. That's true. It yeah. is so far. I didn't say they had to... I did say they have to kill them. So they do. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, okay. But that's what they think they have to do. Oh, twist. That's what they <laughs> think they have to do. Um, Turns out, not, radio steak. They're, they're not given... Um, they're not given, like, weapons or anything. They have to find that themselves also. And uh, they, they find uh, uh, marks of whatever happened like a century ago. They find uh, scorch marks in the earth and uh, all sorts of other things that show that uh, whatever happened actually happened here. It started in this large city. And uh, eventually they discover uh, that there are still people living here and that the people that have been, uh, uh, the children before them that have gone out have actually been uh, trading with these people instead of killing for their own food, which means that no child has ever actually had to prove themselves. So, as they discover this, they're like, well, why don't we just live in this big city, you know? <laughs> but then, 
what? Why are you laughing? Because uh, of the expression on your face. Please continue. <laughs> For those of you who are not watching this because you're listening to it in podcast form, uh, Garam has a, a clear look of desperation on his face, uh, almost imparting a sense that every word that is coming out of his mouth is being formed and, and released before he fully knows what it is is happening. <laughs> Um, Why not live in this big city with these kind people who trade them food, Gruff? They thought they were kind, but they're not. <laughs> oh, no. They, they uh, entrap the children into small cages and prepare them to prepare to cook them overnight. Okay. Wait, so, wait, wait, wait. Have they been eating people this whole time? I'm getting there. Okay. Of course they have. <laughs> um, they've been eating people this whole time. <laughs> um and acting like they've been trading them. They've been eating people, and what they've been trading away is also people. Hold on, I'm getting to the part where this is a moral story. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, Ladies and gentlemen, and uh, so, just real quick, Garav is available for your children's <laughs> birthday parties uh, or anything like that. He will no, happily come and I'm run not, a game for your kids. I'm very busy. Light, light-hearted, good-natured <laughs> RPG fun with Garav Gulati. Um, and cannibalism. Basically, the adults in this world have become corrupted, but the children in this city are so pure of heart, so they uh, all uh, together, the children in the cage need to convince the other children to free them, and they can all escape from the city. And on their way out, they discover a sign that says, Phoenix, Arizona. Boom, Phoenix fire. I did it. Moral of the story, Boom. Don't, don't trust adults. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> or garage. <laughs> Okay, so that was uh, let's 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 do something else here because uh, some of those very clearly went off the rails, but that's okay. We are brainstorming, and well, that's what this is for. This is designed to generate ideas uh, and uh, thoughts in your head. Honestly, that's sort of to me the point. Like in improv, it's A to C. Right. So you essentially take something like banana, and you're like, well, banana makes me think of the tropics, and the tropics makes me think of an island, and island makes makes me think of mermaids. So now my scene is about mermaids. Mm-hmm. It's it's essentially the same thing. It really doesn't have to be. I mean, I took radio steak very literally. You don't have to take it literally. It could just be like, well, radio steak makes me think of this, and you can literally A to C it. The point of this. It's not necessarily to be specific and make it perfect to whatever your prompt is. It's just to get your mind flowing. Just to start ideas. Like, I don't know about you guys when you're creating game sessions, but I kind of work through and throw out several ideas before I land on something that I actually want to run. And typically I'll come up with an idea that's sort of like a more clumsy or overwritten version of what I end up running. And I start peeling away the fat or like, connecting things and figuring out why things are working that way before I come up with what I actually run as a session. So that's what this is designed that's, to be. It's interesting because just sitting here and kind of seeing us each talk about these different settings or um, these different hooks and, and the ideas that come to our mind and the way how much we describe and the way we describe it is different between the three of us. And I actually was sitting here thinking like, man, my ideas aren't very good because they're not as fleshed out. But I just realized with what you said, you just said you create this this bigger story and then you peel it away. Mm-hmm. I'm the opposite. I don't work like that. I create, uh, I create a, just a little light framework and then I start to get in there and I start to go, okay, well, if this is happening, then what if this? I do it the other direction. And that was just kind of an interesting thing to mm. to realize that those two things are different. One is not necessarily better than the other, or maybe that's me being a newer GM. And, and as I, uh, no, I think that's just a difference in everybody's creative yeah, process, yeah. but it was just, it, I'm just saying it was very interesting to see that just in this very easy, uh, uh exercise that we're doing. So I want to do one more round. Okay. Speed round. Oh, okay. okay. So we're each just going to assign each other a two word adventure hook, no genre, anything like that. And then we're just going to each one of us do uh, what the hook would be that we were assigned. Okay. So not each of us doing our spin on everybody's hook, but I'm just going to give you a two-word hook. You'll give Megan a two-word hook. Megan will give me a two-word hook. And then we'll just hear the thing. So you can pick any genre you want, the one that makes the most sense to you. Okay. So I'm giving... Oh, I see. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And we're just going to do a speed round. Okay. Just to get, just to get some creative juices flowing. And I'm going to do for you... Lightning shark. Nice. Uh, I'm going to do for you... Oh, that was for Garof. I pointed at Garof. Mm-hmm. Thank you for clarifying. Uh, for you, Megan, is the you in my sentence there. Uh, <laughs> Mage's cereal. 
mage's cereal. Yeah. For you, I'm going to do blue mud. Blue mud. Okay, cool. All right, Garav, you got lightning shark, buddy. Lightning Take shark. Take us home. Um, so let's see. Lightning shark immediately makes you want a lightning bolt to strike a shark. What would that do? Probably kill it. Kill it immediately. Yeah, that's not a good story, I guess. <laughs> uh, lightning shark. But what if it didn't kill it? If it didn't kill it, what would happen to that shark? I mean, I guess it would be a supercharged shark. Like, so lightning struck this shark off the coast of Africa. Are there sharks off the coast of Africa? Yeah, there are, actually. <laughs> Did you know that? Uh, lightning struck it, and uh, it became enlarged. It became gigantic. It became bigger than any whale that's ever existed. Uh, so much so that it's pretty much displaced a bunch of water on the planet. So that while you're looking this at This sounds me, like a size D shark. <laughs> okay, sharks don't have sizes, so uh, let's, let's keep the joking to a minimum while oh, I'm sorry. doing a story here. Uh, so, uh, people have to figure out a way to either A, eliminate this shark, or B, maybe become friends with the shark and make sure it doesn't like devour everything on earth because it still has to eat a large amount of food. So what, what do you do about a giant massive shark that's electrocuted and supercharged? And displacing a lot of water in the ocean. God, <laughs> this shark is huge. It's so big. This somehow is a better children's fable than the one that you set out to do. I think they're both pretty good. Uh, Making friends with a giant shark. How do you pretty do good it? children's fable. How do you do it? I don't know. That's for your players you, to figure out. You eat the shark to feed the world. Oh, jeez. Wow. Okay, <laughs> she saw that real quick. Yeah, wow. All right. Um, cool. Megan? Yeah, what you are got we doing? Mage's cereal. Oh, mage's cereal. Okay, so I would take this probably in a um, classic fantasy scent setting, uh, and this would be comedy. Two mages, right? And um, they are competing. They've got cereal. That's that. This is how they're trying to make their money on the side is to sell their cereal brand. Ooh, what are they called? Uh, Magicos. Oh, and Magicos is one. Uh. <laughs> The thing that came to my mind because you put me on this spot is Wandy Charms. Ah, uh, Wandy Charms! <laughs> Wandy Charms so, is great! That's great! I should put you on the spot more often! Yeah. So, uh, your your uh, party would be uh, the, the marketing team for one of these uh, mage, oh. mages. And so, they would be basically trying to figure out a way to get... Uh, their mage's cereal to be the best cereal. And I think that really it would become a life or death matter because the other mage with the wandy charms is evil. It's just an evil yeah. mage. Oh, so and we work, what... We work for Magicos then. We work for Magicos. Of course. So uh, the wandy charms, actually what those are, if people eat that, they'll die. It's 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 cursed. That's a no, really bad business it's not. model. And that's why... Uh, it's really important that we get the Magicos to be the cereal that the kingdom decides is the only cereal because there can really only be one. How did this become the competing <laughs> brand of cereal if everyone who eats it dies? <laughs> well, but they, they haven't been released. It really good. Like, they... it's the best cereal ever. <laughs> yeah, it would be really good, but they haven't released either one yet. This is the kingdom going, we can only have one cereal. Which one is it going to be? So, <laughs> if... If you play fantasy games to escape from our dreary modern real world where people sometimes put profits ahead of people's safety, why not play this fantasy game about people putting profits ahead of people's safety? Well, you know, sometimes, no, it's, sometimes it's really great. You know, whenever you're, say you work in marketing and it's just a tough world and you never win. In this instance, maybe you get to win. Um, I... I <laughs> I just want to say real quick, uh, clearly we're being very silly tonight, and uh, I feel like I, in particular, am poking a lot of fun at the hooks that you guys come up with, um, but I, I'm, I'm doing that in, in, all in good fun, because I actually think in any, in any of these, no matter how weird or out there we've made them, there are seeds of really fun ideas. Like, I love the idea of a one-shot fantasy game where you're playing as the marketing <laughs> rep yes, for a mage's, like, product company. Yeah. And, like, maybe you're doing, like, corporate espionage to, like, get the secrets of this rival company or, like, whatever you're doing. I love it. I uh -huh. think that's a really fun idea that I'm bears exploration, and that's totally the whole point of it. Oh, my that. God. This is going to show up in Prickly Tall Stag and the Danger Seeker. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. 
for that. Oh, that's so good. Okay, yeah, I'm going to do that. Okay, so uh, I got Blue Mud. Blue Mud. Mine is going to be a modern horror uh, Call of Cthulhu-style game. Sweet. So one of my favorite uh, internet comedy sketches from, I believe it was from Cracked.com, and it was several years ago, was basically a parody of, like, the 90s Nickelodeon cartoons for stuff like Gak and Floam. Where it's like some like lame square adult who's like, I don't know what this is. And the kids are like, oh, it's gooey. It's oozy. But like as this commercial is going on, like it like hatches, like an egg pops out of it. And it hatches and like starts burning one of these kids. And then he gets like taken over by some alien intelligence. Um, which is... I think hilarious, but also super dark. And that's what Blue Mud made me think of. Uh, Mm -hmm. It would be uh, some like toy company that starts putting out this product that is actually just uh, some sort of otherworldly alien embryo that is getting into the hands of children because they are more susceptible. And it doesn't hatch or anything like that. The, the, the blue mud, uh, which would have some sort of fanciful name, like we'll, we'll call it um, Flark. Um, the, it actually has its own like rudimentary uh, psychic intelligence and it starts like infiltrating these kids' minds and sort of turning them into drones for the Flark over, over mind. Uh, and this, this toy creator is, is working as, you know, obviously with a group of cultists who are intent on bringing this, this overmind from its dark dimension and into our dimension by targeting the most vulnerable minds, which are those of children. So that's, that's the premise. And then your investigators have to figure out the dark secret behind the hot new crazy toy, Flark. So that's what Blue Mud makes me think of. I like it. Neat. All right, so those are some more two-word adventure hooks. And if you guys can come up with your own two-word adventure hooks... Uh, post them on Twitter. You can yeah. you can uh, post them at us at exp pointers pod, uh, or you can just use the hashtag two word adventure hook and post your two words and see uh, if you and your followers or other people or or even us uh, have any ideas that are inspired by these two word plot hooks that you come up with, or if you've used this as a uh, activity uh, for yourself as a creative exercise for your own games. Let us know if it was successful for you, or let us know if you ended up running anything like that. We would love to hear from you guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, wait, you have you have something in front of you there, Gaurav. You, you can't be serious. Is it already time? It's time. For, for the, the question, question of, of the soul. So, 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 what do you got for us, Gaurav? I got a question from the D&D subreddit. Uh, someone asked, someone's name being, hold on, it's down there. Nug Nug, <laughs> Nug Nug asked, what happens if you cast enlarge or reduce on food? And he goes on to say that I'm currently DMing a few players through Out of the Abyss campaign, and a friend of mine is a wizard. He looked he looked up the spells that can get that he can get and sees enlarge slash reduce. He thinks that he can enlarge a piece of food and it will give them technically double the food. And goes on to extrapolate that a little more. But basically they're asking does food increase in quality and size? I mean, not quality, but quantity mm. when you cast a spell on it. And well, the other part of this is the spell has a duration, right? Right. Enlarge and reduce have spell durations. So uh, like, so for me, that's the rub here. And that's, that's well, what really captures it, my imagination. It kind, of, it kind of feels like if you ate it, if you enlarged it and then ate it, then whenever that duration was gone, it would just... Whatever the the, ele- the molecules, the elements of it, no matter where it was or in what form it was in, would lessen to whatever it was originally. Well, so that's interesting, though. So, like, are we saying that we've, when you're casting enlarge on something, you're making from the molecular level up, you're making the molecules larger, or are you creating more solid mass? Because let's think about something like, like. Um, uh, honey, I Shrunk the Kids, where they're eating like that giant cookie or right. something. Like the cookie is well, tech is more food to them. Like that's like a you know a, a like giant rooms worth of cookie. Well, also the difference there, I think, is that they were shrunk. Right. So that's different. Well, not exactly because it's just the same thing we're talking about here. In also, reverse. the difference is that one wasn't didn't have a time limit on it, right? 
unless they shrunk it again or, or right. vice versa. Yeah. Correct. So okay. that's the difference to me. But they were returned to full size at the end of the movie. So I guess the only way to know but, would be to ask the screenwriter but, if they were hungry <laughs> okay. when they were put back to okay. normal size. But the person... The yes. person was brought back to normal size, Correct. which means whatever was in their belly also was brought back to the same size that they were. Hmm. Yes. Okay, cool. Good point. Good point. Good point. <laughs> so what I... So you're right. That is a different situation. It's a different situation. So if you're dealing with something that has a time limit, so it's a, it's literally, you know, it's always going to revert to whatever its natural size was. I would think that those... I mean, depends upon what science you want to go by. If you want to go by like standard ideas i would think that the molecules like you could go both directions like you said the molecules could enlarge but does that work that way i don't know hold on i'm not done let me finish okay okay. so uh either it would be that it would depend upon what the actual science of the spell is so is it is it multiplying the molecules or like you said is it making them bigger i have to stop you because right there i think is the flaw in your logic because you said what is the science of the spell i know that which is no 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 scientific principles to a magical effect. But my point, I know that, but my point is it depends upon what the lore of your world is. So in some worlds, magic is science. It's just science that they don't understand yet. So they're just using magic. Or if you want to go, well, it's just magic, then the question is really moot. So let's say it's Forgotten Realms. I don't this is know a enough D&D. about Forgotten Realms. Well, it's, it's, the, it's kind of like the one of the standard D&D worlds. I see. So it is not magic is science. It's magic is real and you're... you're you're messing with the fabric of reality when you when you do this. And let's just think about it from a magical perspective. Well, then couldn't it be whatever you want it to be? It could be, but the spells in D&D are codified. So they have specific things that they can and can't do as a way of keeping players from being able to uh, break spells or use them in ways that they aren't supposed to be. So I actually love things like this where players are questioning the inherent logic and rules of a magical system that the designers clearly did not intend when it came out. So how, how could they, Oh, so the, it's not that, that it's just focus. It's enlarging or shrinking anything, not just food. Yes. Yes. Creature. I see. I see. Yes. Typically like you're, you're making a thing Mm -hmm. larger or smaller or a person larger or smaller. But if you do it to food, what are the ramifications of that? Like say, could you make an entire giant, like a Turkey, a cooked Turkey, very small and then like i don't know maybe sneak it into someone's food and then when the duration wears off does it revert to a full-size turkey in their stomach well, and totally like disrupt their so, internal digestive system so my whole thing is what wh- first of all what are you doing what why why are they doing this and second of all what's most interesting to the story because in this in this instance like I said, if it's if it's your game and you're playing it and you decide, and I personally think that would be an interesting, like if if depending upon how it's being utilized, but that would be an interesting consequence of like, hey, if you're going to eat this shrunk food or this enlarged food, you better either figure out a way to digest it fast enough to get it out of your body before it causes some problem, or um, you need to plan for said issue. I think it actually brings up an interesting uh, GM player dynamic because let's say it sounds like from the initial question the idea was i'm going to cast enlarge on this food in order to double the size of the food so we can get more mileage out of our food so all it is at first is just a helpful tool that um lets you eat more food and not go hungry right that's that's the way it was presented in the question Mm -hmm. so as a gm you go okay cool that sounds like an interesting way of using that spell i'm gonna allow it there's always the chance you'll have a player at your table who will then extrapolate and go, okay, what happens if I reduce it and then does something and presents something like the idea I just did, like I reduce something that's very large and then make it expand, uh, you know, once the duration wears off. As a GM, you've already agreed that it works one way. So you've kind of backed yourself into a corner for whether or not you can rule that it doesn't work that other way because by the same rules that you already agreed to, it should. So that's kind of a tricky thing that you have to be aware of as a GM. A lot of the decisions that you make can have ramifications larger than the the situation that you're currently in. And that's not something that should paralyze you with fear. It's just something that you should be aware of. You are always free to say no later on. But also, maybe you go, yes. Sure, that can happen. 
But if that can happen, they are not the only people in the world who have figured this out. Right. So that is then that then becomes something that they have to look out for or something that can be, uh, you know, something that is known, something like, you know, it, it becomes another piece of your world. So right. it, it, it can be tricky to adjudicate stuff like this as a GM. But that's why I love when people present problems like this. Garab, uh, what do you think? What do you got, man? Well, in, in the time that we were talking, I looked up the actual spell. Okay, hit us with it. A few things here. Nerd. It lasts for one minute, <laughs> so you have to eat that meal real quick. Uh, another thing here is that it only increases or decreases the size by one category. What that means is that a human is medium size. A gnome is small size. Okay. So if you reduced a turkey to a smaller size, it would be a gnome size. So like a chicken then? Yes, okay. exactly. So it's not that much bigger or smaller. Like, okay. I mean, like a, a large sized turkey would become a garg, not gargantuan. What's bigger than that? Uh, colossal? No, col- I think colossal is bigger than that. I'm not sure, but it would become not that much bigger, but you could cast it multiple times. Well, also, here's my question What about metamagic feats? What about things that can extend the duration of spells or things that can, uh, like, empower spells? Like, what happened? Can you make it larger or smaller if you cast it as a higher level spell? No. No? That's just, that's the, not say that. the finite extent of what it can do? Yes. Ah, okay, so there's so, there's not as easily uh, available uh, offensive capabilities here, here's for this idea. Thing. Here's an interesting part of the spell for enlarge: the target's size doubles in all dimensions, and its weight is multiplied by eight. Okay, specifically eight. So it gets denser. Yes, which but would specifically eight lend itself to basically molecules doubling as opposed to. Not necessarily. To me. It would. It, it would I, be. It's to me that would be the, its internal like mass essentially doubling. Like, which means that that dividing. food. Which means that the food would be more yes, filling. Exactly. Yes. That's what I was thinking. There but, would essentially be more food. Right. So you would have to extend the duration of the spell or continue to cast it. Yeah. Um, it's a second level spell. Long enough for everyone to digest the food. So here's my question. Once someone takes a bite of food and it's in their body and no longer a part of the food on the table, can you continue to cast the spell at the control point of the food on the table? Or then do you have one additional target per person who's taken some of this food? My guess is that as soon as you take a bite or like a piece of that food away from the target that exists, it would become normal size. Before it gets to your mouth is how it was what I'm thinking. Like when you take... Uh, like a if it was a giant bowl of ice cream, if you take a spoon of ice cream, that ice cream is going to become smaller. Okay, as but, soon as you take but that now chunk out, I'm a player and I've gone. Okay, you ruled that GM. So when a monster creates uh, or casts enlarge on themselves in order to be larger, right? If I can just make it lose its grip on something that it's holding, it all of a sudden becomes small as soon yep. as it starts. Yeah. Okay. I would, I'd be rule that because this also explains why everybody in the world doesn't but, do this. Okay. So to even nitpick what you just said, yeah. the difference we have there is something that is a part of the same thing and then something that someone is holding. Sure. So, so what is the actual connection that's being made? The, to me, the argument of, say, we have a piece of bread that's been enlarged and you take a piece out of it that, that goes down. Well, you've taken a piece out of the actual com- complete thing. What you just said is, I'm just holding something. But to me, what, what is being cast is upon the object. Not- the target's weapons also grow to match its new size. While the weapons are enlarged, the target's attacks with them deal an extra 1d4. It doesn't really matter what... But- yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't say what happens when they drop them. It doesn't it matter like. what that says. I'm just saying based upon what you said. Well, I would say my read of the spell as written would be that um, every part of it would stay enlarged until the duration of the spell wore off. I would think so, too. I, I wouldn't see sure. any reason for something being separated from the whole getting smaller. Uh, yeah. But yeah. you could rule that as a you GM. Could. You could rule. You could rule this any way you want because it yeah. doesn't exist. And it's super fun to think about. Right, yeah. I think there's a lot of different ways. I mean, you could also go with the idea that could it also be if you were eating something that's been enlarged, once you go put put it through the process of chewing it and you, you've essentially processed it, you've changed it. So is it still the same thing anymore whenever it mixes with other things? I wanna see <laughs> I wanna see what a think tank of philosophers 
could do with some of these RPG questions. Like, I would just, I would love to be a fly on the wall of seeing, like, some people in an academic setting be like, all right, let's consider the ramifications of this question. If you enlarge an apple, does it feed a man or an army? Who knows? Who can ever say? So thanks. Thanks, Reddit, for always being a source of uh, amazing <laughs> stuff. Thanks, yeah. Nug Nug. Um, for you. <laughs> so uh, we were clearly in a little bit of, of a uh, of a silly place tonight when what? we were recording this. But we're always in a silly place. I, I this agree. is nothing new. I agree with that. But uh, even so, I would say there's a lot of ideas and things here that you can pull out and refine and polish up and use as sparkling gems of ideas that come from the turds that sometimes come out of our mouths. Yeah, Radio Shark. Radio Steak. <laughs> Ooh, Radio Shark, though, is way better. Radio is shark. it too late to change it? Demon Lightning. Yes, it's too late. The episode's over. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess if the episode's over, we should say... Until... Phoenix Mud. <laughs> until Phoenix Mud. <laughs> until Phoenix Mud. Let's go! This podcast has been a Saving Throw production. You can connect with us on Twitter at expointerspod, and you can follow each of the hosts on Twitter at their respective handles. Jordan is at Jordan Callerman, Megan is at Megan Caves, and Garav is at DoubleGXG. You can also watch us streaming RPGs and more at the Saving Throw Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash savingthrowshow. If you want to listen to new episodes of this podcast early, consider becoming a Saving Throw Patreon backer. Patrons at the $10 level and up can listen to new episodes a week early. You can also help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you found it to help get the word out. Thanks for listening, guys.